Welcome to Prism Bible, where we learn the Bible so we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play, and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as we dive into the story of Israel, a nation born out of God's promises to Abraham. Today we'll learn that God never forgets His promises. You're listening to Prism Bible. Four hundred years in the land of Egypt. What was perhaps intended as a short stay by the great-grandchildren of Abraham to avoid famine in the land of Canaan was instead a much longer settling. Egypt ended up being a home away from home. Abraham, their forefather, had been promised the land of Canaan, seed in abundance, and blessing to the world through a particular seed. Yet this nation of Israel that had come from him, while they might be that seed in abundance, they were hundreds of miles away from Canaan, and now things were worse than ever. Worse because of the new Pharaoh that had come to rule over Egypt. This Pharaoh fears the people of Israel, an expanding population and strength within Egypt. And this Pharaoh's fear leads him to severe oppression. In a show of dominance over this nation, he forces the Israelites into slave labor before starting a systematic effort to kill all newborn Israelite males. The people of Israel are in bitter distress. But then a strange thing happens. In the midst of this murderous decree of Pharaoh, one of his daughters sees a baby boy floating in a basket in the Nile River. Now, Pharaoh had commanded that all newborn Israelite boys had to be cast into the Nile to drown. But in apparent hope for her child, an Israelite mother puts her baby boy in a basket, hoping that somehow he might be saved. And who discovers this baby boy but someone in Pharaoh's own household? Pharaoh's daughter sees the baby, has compassion on him, and decides to allow the child to live. She gives the baby the name Moses, a name that echoes through the remaining pages of the Bible. Moses grows up in the household of Pharaoh benefiting from the prosperity of the palace and from regular interaction with the Israelite community. Now, that Moses is an Israelite is not hidden from him despite being in Pharaoh's house. In fact, he so identifies with the Israelites that when he sees one of his people abused by an Egyptian taskmaster, Moses murders the Egyptian and runs away from Egypt into the wilderness. He forsakes everything he knew and runs away. Moses spends years away from Egypt. He settles down, gets married, and forms a new shepherding life. But at 80 years old, when he's perhaps looking at life through the rearview mirror, God intervenes. Moses is commanded by God to return to Egypt with a message for a new Pharaoh. The message is simple. Let my people go. God hasn't forgotten about the promises he made to Abraham, and he won't let an Egyptian king get in the way of achieving them. But you know what the Pharaoh doesn't do? He doesn't let the Israelites go. Instead, after Moses demands to let the people go, Pharaoh makes them work even harder as slaves for him. And so, in a miraculous demonstration of God's power, Egypt suffers plagues for refusing to let the Israelites leave. Plagues famous around the world for their devastation upon Egypt. 
First, the water in the Nile River turns to blood. Yet Pharaoh continues to resist freeing the Israelites. Next, Egypt suffers through swarms of frogs all over the land. Yet Pharaoh continues to resist freeing those Israelites. The third plague is swarms of gnats as numerous as the dust of the earth. Yet Pharaoh continues to resist freeing the Israelites. This cycle continues through more and more plagues. The death of Egyptian livestock boils all over people's skin. Heavy hail upon Egypt, locusts that destroy the fields of grain and fruit, and darkness over the land of Egypt. The plagues continue, but Pharaoh continues to reject the command by God through Moses to let the people go. This is when Egypt is visited by the final plague. This final plague involves the death of the firstborn of every household. That is, the firstborn of every household who didn't do a certain task. Oddly enough, God tells the Israelites that in order to not suffer this plague, they need to do something. They need to put the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their homes. This may seem like an odd command, but it's something that serves to demonstrate a concept found in the rest of the Bible. This concept is substitution. In this case, the lamb serves as a substitute for the death of the firstborn among the Israelites. The lambs die in their place, and the lamb's blood on the doorpost provides evidence for the death of the lamb. As God passes over the Israelites during this plague, he sees the blood and does not have the plague visit that household. Instead of the death of the firstborn, the lambs die in their place. Substitute death. So this final plague comes upon Egypt, and it finally breaks Pharaoh. Mourning the loss of his firstborn, he releases the Israelites to leave Egypt. And immediately, in the middle of that same night, the Israelites flee, bound for the wilderness between Egypt and the land promised to Abraham. Soon, however, Pharaoh changes his mind, realizing the massive labor force that he just set free. He mounts a chariot, along with 600 other charioteers, and they begin to pursue the Israelites into the wilderness. Later, the Egyptians approach the men, women, and children of Israel. The Israelites are in total distress. They see a large sea of water in front of them, and the Egyptians pursuing hotly behind. They begin to cry out in angst to Moses, and yet Moses, full of faith in God, says this in Exodus chapter 14. Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, the Lord, in a pillar of fire and cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their horses and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. This is the account of the great exodus from Egypt, an event consistently referenced in the remainder of the Bible as evidence of God's power to save, an inexhaustible power to lift the nation of Israel from slavery to freedom, an inexhaustible power to lift all who need salvation. Now, after this monumental exodus, we see God lead the nation of Israel through the wilderness for a period of 40 years. There are many significant events in this time period, but we're going to highlight one in particular. While the nation is in the wilderness, God gives them a set of laws to follow in the land of Canaan. These laws find their foundation in the famous Ten Commandments, but they number in excess of 600 laws to govern them in the land. And this law set includes something significant, a continuation of the substitution idea illustrated in that final plague upon Egypt. In these laws, God creates a system by which people can draw near to Him despite their sin. And the way that they can do that is to put the death penalty that they deserve for their sin onto something else, an animal. A substitute death, just like what they did with their lambs when God passed over their houses in Egypt. This principle of death covering death continues to set a precedent for something that becomes a theme in the Bible all the way through the New Testament. The theme is this. In order to draw near to God, people need to transfer the death penalty for their sin onto a substitute. This theme continues through the whole Bible, but in the New Testament it comes to its culmination. There we see that instead of an animal, a person becomes a substitute. Instead of a lamb's blood, we see a man's blood, the only innocent man who has ever lived. Join us next time, where we see what happens when the nation of Israel finally enters the land of Canaan after hundreds of years. Israel fights for the land, and after significant conquest, they demand something new from God. They want a king. Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, we have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.